Once again, a big thank you to this week's podcast sponsors. Visit the beautiful Thule block in Botswana with Nil Safaris. You can email them at nilsafariinfo at gmail.com or visit their website at www.nilsafari.co.za. If you've got the Eastern Cape in mind, visit the beautiful Eastern Cape in South Africa with Trails to Trophies. For more information, visit their website at www.trailstotrophies.co.za or send an inquiry to info at trailstotrophies.co.za. And finally, PH Toolbox. For all your essential items in the bush vault, visit www.phtoolbox.co.za. If you have any custom requirements for your next safari, please email dylan at phtoolbox.co.za. Cool. How's it, guys? And welcome uh, to another episode of the Journal Podcast. Um, very special guest with us today, um, Mr. Van Collar. So am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Well, how is it? Is it, are you in partnership with Banana Skins? Or? Yeah, yeah. Partnership huh? okay. at the moment. Yeah. And um, yeah, of course, very uh, active on the social media side of things as far as Jack Outdoors goes and grasped quite a bit of interest. So Jack, tell us a little bit about the whole social media thing and then just get into where you are and, and what you do at the moment. Yeah, uh, the social media thing is quite a quite an interesting one. Um, I used to be very, very silent on social media, didn't really do many posts and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, when we went into the clothing industry, we started seeing the power of social media in terms mm -hmm. of marketing. So that's pretty much how it started. And then... As I started sharing fishing footage and fishing photos and stuff, uh, the audience started really, really enjoying it. So I then changed my whole perspective and my whole angle on the social media to sort of just blog and document what I do just to let the people out there know how, how I do it. Okay. Because, yeah, obviously with the, with the whole social media experience, I just felt that a lot of it is... Uh, not genuine mm. and not raw. So if you see my stuff, mine's pretty raw, pretty uh, straight cut, a lot of mistakes, a lot of mm. uh, yeah, errors and that sort of things. But that is what it is. So I just wanted to put out something genuine there so that people can see that this is how, how I fish, not saying it's the right way or it's the only way, but that's how I do it. So yeah, growing up, I think we see all these things on social media, TV shows and things. And if you're not using that fishing rod or that fishing reel or this yeah. line, you're not going to catch a fish. And not all of us are in that price bracket. Right. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to create a bit of self-belief in others that you can still do it if you don't have the best equipment type, yeah. type bar. But, yeah. but you, you, I mean, your journey has definitely been an interesting one from uh, the outdoor clothing market side to where you are now and now really just created this personal brand that f for me personally I think has really generated a lot of uh, positive vibes around uh, the outdoor enthusiasts social media stuff and so where did the love for fishing come from how did you know that this was gonna sort of become what it is today or did you not even imagine that um yeah in terms of the social media thing 
creating a brand per se around your own name. It was never about that and never thought about that. Like I said, starter was purely about marketing products. Yeah. And then as I started putting footage out there, I started seeing the interest from the audience and how they were enjoying it. So I thought, well, flip, I might as well carry on if, mm. if, if someone else is getting a bit of enjoyment out of what I'm doing as well as sharing a lot of knowledge and a lot of insight into it. So that's how that sort of grew. And yeah, from a very young age, I remember <clears throat> my dad used to used to fish. So naturally, we would always be around him. He would wake up early to go, to go fish in the morning and come back uh, 7 o'clock-ish when we were on holidays. Yeah. And then we would always want to see what he's caught and that sort of thing. And then when we got older, we would eventually go go with until got to a stage where we could go by ourselves fishing mm. and yeah i remember from a very young age just used to enjoy being out there um, whether it was fishing in the river fishing in the sea looking in the rock pools just experiencing nature i think yeah. that was the that was the main attraction of it just yeah. being outdoors yeah no that's awesome and i mean it's it's just <laughs> always something following your passion and 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 driving that whole thing forward it just it's it's amazing how it just uh, relates to a lot of people uh when they watch your your sort of stuff and often um what was the one thing you had going it was tip of the week or something i, I loved it tip of the week <laughs> uh you ainsley was my biggest fan there yeah. he was highly highly upset when when the when it was coming to an end and it didn't come to an end because i wanted it to come to an end to be honest i started running out of ideas i was doing it <laughs> like a tip of the week weekly yeah so i am going to be starting it again but i just want to restructure it to maybe do a tip of the week monthly mm. so um, but jack what, what what are you like do you just go around to these places um i know we've spoken in, intensely about it in the last couple of days but for the people that are watching this and listening like what what, what is your your structure base we know i know now that you you've got the whole banana skins project is that based on the outdoors or um more just about sport banana skins the flagship product is sport okay. sports compression as well as there's a division of outdoors as well which we're busy uh looking to bring in a few other business associates one or two guys from the okay. states that are from south africa that are post career that side they're on the yachts and so forth so they're looking to get involved post career there so yeah um end of the day is banana skins as a project i want it to be a brand that incorporates a division of each aspect of life mm. So that it include include everyone and anyone, no matter your demographics, your race, your religion, whatever the case may be. So that's why you see we've got a whole lot of different products. And mm. that's a project that I don't care how long it takes. It might take a lifetime, but a lifetime is long enough. Yeah. So, yeah. And then with regards to Jack Outdoor, um, I, I just feel that a lot of people could make a much bigger difference in life if they were just willing to assist a little bit. Mm. So as my social media page started growing and naturally traveled quite a bit and met a lot of cool people, I thought the least I could do for, let's say, example, you who owns a Backpackers, mm. who's been an absolute legend to me over my three years of coming here, been accommodating to me in conversation and yeah. general just good human, I thought the least I can do is blog about your place and give my my real experience about it mm. with with my hashtag back back by Jack, so that my audience knows that this place is 
what I enjoy and my audience naturally knows what my vibe and what my style is. So mm. they know if they're going there, they should be 99.9% on a good wicket. Yeah. And yeah, it's just my way of giving giving back a little bit eh, to to the guys that have really, like I say, been accommodating, especially during COVID, a lot of travel, spent a lot of time in the trans sky just to regroup, wait for markets to open again. And, and then... Yeah, I started seeing that it actually does have a positive effect, which is pretty humbling, and I never thought it would would get to that stage. And we're at that stage now where we're actually chatting about it in business, myself and you, and a few others extensively to see what we can do. So yeah, yeah, because it it's it's definitely a unique one, and I mean we've always thrown these ideas around about people. I think I think especially in South Africa the the market for endorsement affiliates and all that sort of stuff is is kind of non-existent uh, if mm. to say that um whereas if i'm very fortunate to have a lot of the i can have a look at what's going on in the states and i mean just from a couple of facebook pages you can certainly pick up what people are interested in what they like what they follow that sort of stuff um but we don't really have it yet i think yeah. it sort of becomes like a stigma thing like you said earlier uh these guys on the big promotion shows that are promoting the big reels and the big fishing rods and stuff and it's not in everyone's bracket so they're just looking for that run-of-the-mill you know everyday guy that's going out there just having fun what he's doing and what he's passionate about um and they sort of kind of leech onto that catch onto that and they just want to follow your story and it's and it's an interesting one but one of the questions i wanted to ask you was do you see so obviously fishing is a huge passion of yours as well as business and stuff which is very um it becomes a very time balancing act but in the same breath in the same bracket do you see your passion benefiting banana skins in the long run or vice versa um yeah look time is obviously the one thing that everyone struggles with so from a very young age uh uh sort of had a blueprint of what my life wanted to be and how i wanted to go about it uh, i remember from a young age i always said I don't want to have children, don't want to have a family. I want to have a beautiful wife one day if, if, if the world provides that. And I know what I want to be and how I want to do it. And it comes with sacrifices. Mm. Um, I want to be able to build a business where it is sustainable and runs its, itself per se. Um, not on a, a monetary a push. I want to be financially stable in it, of course, because if you're not financially stable in it, then it's you knocking your head against the wall. So I want to be in a situation where I can influence Banana Skins as a brand, whether we whether it gets sold out or other directors take over, whatever the case may be. But I want to do things out of the norm. I want to be able to travel the longest road in the world in a camper van and just um, just see and meet as many different cultures as many different people as i can at and at the same time promoting banana skins and the bigger my jack outdoor page gets the spin-off of that is it does benefit yeah. banana skins and on the same side as that of the coin there the bigger banana skins gets the more it allows me to do what my passion is so it's a fine line to try balance and i think it it can work and it it does work um, at the moment. It's just a case of patience, and patience is one of the hardest things to try and yeah, to no. try if you want to call it nurture it or learn it or whatever. Yeah, because well, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, following your story and your and your journey and stuff. I mean, you've you've been through some really tough moments and stuff. Was 
what has been the biggest benefactor that you can look back now and say, shit, you know, because one of the, 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 the more inspiring side of things following your story was, was that there, there's always going to be a time where you sit back I've, I've, after the past couple of weeks. I've had just that moment where you think, Fuck, maybe I should just do this nine to five job type thing, you know, and but but there's there's always like that. They always say once the one door closes, you walk down the hallway and the next one will open, you know. So yeah. what has been, from a mental standpoint, some of the biggest challenges you've had to face and how have you got over it? Yeah, the mental standpoint is massive. Eh? Um, we obviously know that uh, mental health awareness is a is a real challenge in the world and it's, and it's really, really cool to see that people are speaking up about mm. it. I myself, obviously... A lot of challenges as you have and everyone everyone else has but 10 years ago it was a stigma where you didn't want to tell your mate listen i'm battling i'm a bit down yeah. where now it's, it's people are speaking about it mm. more which i think is the best thing that could have happened and as sad as COVID was it brought it to the surface that this is a real problem and yeah i've had those thoughts on on the daily of maybe i'll just close it up and go work at nine nine till five mm. and then i look at it and i think i've always been an entrepreneur from the age of probably younger than 18 you know what I mean always been hustling always had a little business plan yeah business plan there and it's not about the hundred projects that don't work that count mm. but it's rather about the one that does work so I've looked at nine to five jobs recently and I, I've thought about it hard and then I think yes I've come too far to throw in the towel and then yeah. you go into a shop and you see someone who you don't really know but they've seen you on social media and they say hey awesome work keep on yeah. going and that like just reinstalls you and tops your fuel tank up for mm -hmm. maybe another 48 hours just to get you through that next little little session yeah so in terms of the going forward and stuff it's really really difficult obviously coming out of COVID the markets have been closed, all those sort of things, back-end noise and business and all the other personal things that go along with it. But what keeps me going is just that random person I see that says, just keep going, a random message on social media from a lady who I don't even know that says, thanks for sharing the post, it brought back memories. And that, for me, gives me some sort of uh, pride in my heart to say, shit, what I'm doing is actually making somebody else's life yeah. a little bit better for that moment. And mm. I've always said, all I want to do in life is make, make, make a difference. And if I can make a difference in one person's life, then God willing, that's my job on earth mm. done. And the main reason why I want the success in the business world is so I can make a difference in what I really want to make a difference yeah. in and putting projects together. Like we're going to speak about conservation mm. and a few things just now that require money, but also just requires someone to pilot projects mm. and and not be scared to step on toes and not be scared to be a bit controversial. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't like me, there's a lot of people who support me, and at the end of the day, do I really care? It's neither here, neither there. I'm doing what I yeah. what I believe in and what I believe is right. Mm. Yeah, it's always that, it's, like I keep saying, it's, it's that balancing act. But one of, one of the hardest things I've realized is that you know, you, you, you can have a look at the numbers, you can have a look at the downloads and the podcast or the YouTube channels and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, what 
sort of the impression I get from you is similar to what I've tried with with the PH Journal side of things is that just make a difference within the industry that we yeah. do, and and like you said, difference in in people's lives and and going forward and stuff. And it's 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 a wonderful thing, like you said, when people come up to you and say you're doing such a wonderful job, keep going. Or even I always tell my mates, I said it's it's your biggest supporters will always share your posts. They'll always yeah. like something on your post and stuff, and then. It people tend to think that it's it's a pointless exercise, but meanwhile, in the long run, it, it actually makes a hell of a difference, you know. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I mean, we're not like yourself. I'm not doing it for self gratification, mm. you know. What I mean, if I was doing it for self gratification, I'll get into shit hot shape and be doing photo shoots with with my shirt off to get extra <laughs> likes and things, you know what I mean? But it's not about that. It's about I'm wanting to make impacts within the industry and create a difference where it's all starting to come together now slowly and when it started four or five years ago i mean a lot of people said you're crazy this is that and all the rest of it and i just said to them don't don't worry there's a whole game plan behind what i'm doing and over time you'll start seeing what it's about yeah yeah so i've got my end goals and what i'm doing is i'm just chasing them session by session year by year and yeah, it's important just to, like in your industry and what you're doing as well, we spoke about it, it's it's taxing, it's tiring, it's mm-hmm. mentally draining and I think we just got to look back every so often and, and see how far we've mm-hmm. come and and know where we're going and just tick those small wins off. Yeah, yeah. And Jack, before we get into the whole fishing side of things, because I do want to touch on it, um, yeah. <clears throat> youngsters, I mean, I'm sure you get them as well, a lot of guys keep messaging me and... Always wanting to know what's the next start, uh, starting point for them when they leave school or finish a professional hunting program or anything like that. Um, do you encourage people from a young age getting involved in the social media side of things if fishing or anything like that is their passion? Um, and if so, how, how do you recommend from... I mean, because it's it's years that we've mm. we've been doing this, so we've learned a lot along the way, you know. Yeah. So you you've made mistakes. We we all yeah. make mistakes, you know. So <clears throat> it's nice to have some sort of like a like a mentor, a guide to to say to him, listen, this will probably be your best starting point. Well, what would you recommend for a youngster coming through the ranks that wants to do similar to what you do? Yeah. Well, first of all, it all depends why you want to do it. You know, I mean, the biggest reason is why if you if you're wanting to do it to make money. Go sell photocopiers in Job, you're going to make a whole lot more money, a whole lot quicker. Mm-hmm. If you're wanting to do it for fame, there's other ways of becoming famous. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's about why you're doing it. And if your reason justifies the amount of effort you want to go through, then yeah. go for it. And your your reason is your reason personally. You've got to ask yourself that reason. I know what my reason is. You know what you know what your reason is. And the repercussions that come with it about putting yourself out there they can be positive or negative where I see mine in a positive way where I've had to tighten up my life a lot, where I obviously lived a lot looser life, party, all that sort of stuff. And as I've become more in the public eye, the the pressure's become more. Mm. But for me, it's been a good pressure because I've converted it into, okay, let me take this pressure of the public eyes on me more. Let me let it be a way of improving my yeah. discipline, improving my work 
discipline, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a case of everyone's going to love you if you're on social media. I promise you, like, there's always going <laughs> to oh, be the one oak. There's always one oak who throws a stone. There's always one oak who throws a comment. And I used to react heck like cray. I used to just slate O's one time. Yeah. And I actually just started realizing that the people who don't agree with you or have got something negative to say, the keyboard warriors, if you want to call it that, it's just don't, don't entertain them, you know what I mean? Just delete them, block them. I've blocked tight mates of mine off social media yeah. just for having stupid digs at me that a round of bra is acceptable, but they don't realize it's now in the public eye and it's out, it's out in the world's yeah. domain. Mm. So that little dig you have at me at a bra with a little personal joke, it's not really that acceptable on social media yeah. because yeah. <laughs> others are seeing it. Yeah, yeah. So... So yeah, you got to realize what you're getting into, and and like you say, we've all made our mistakes. I made my mistakes that still affect me to this day and affect me for the rest of my life. But at the end of the day, you got to got to live with them and got to accept them and learn from them. So for me, it's been an interesting journey and a good journey of improving my discipline, improving all my little small aspects of my life that yeah. maybe the general public don't know that I battle with, but I know where I want to work on. And mm -hmm. what I want to work on. So, yeah, look, it it is a, a line of work, if you want to call it that, that that can be beneficial to you. But at the same time, you got to why are you doing it? You mm -hmm. know, what I mean, your privacy is taken away. Yeah. Um, and as cool as it is or uncool as it is, it's up to you where you're going to be in the public's eye, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you just got to decide. Yeah, but but you also. I think I think you you do it really really well. You create this pretty unique footprint, uh, pretty much <laughs> like, like like I said, the tip of the week. You know, old Dalian from the Eastern Cape. You, you know, you've got this certain persona on social media, like there, there's none other like that in South Africa. You know, so it holds on to that sort of stuff. But something interesting you said to me the other day, and I I want to tap your brain a little bit more about it, is that you said focus on on one social media platform yeah um look there's a lot of social media platforms out there yeah. tiktok instagram uh, facebook and probably a whole host of other mm. ones we don't know about um i've tried to spread myself thin across a few of them in the past recent i was on twitter for a while and at the end of the day is when you're doing it yourself, like I'm doing and like you're doing, we don't have a team that we're paying that's auto-replying and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's what one thing I've always said is I'm going to run my own social media. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how big it gets. The answers that people are getting or the engagement that people are getting, it's from me. Yeah. Raw, authentic from me. It's not from a paid person mm -hmm. who's... So I saw when I was spreading across three, four platforms, which obviously is the ideal way to go getting better coverage, but it's just too time consuming yeah. to, to be honest. And then I looked at my three different platforms that I was on and I saw, okay, Facebook for me is generating the better feed. And then you look at the world and the world says, Facebook's a dying system, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, I think owns it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg owns it and there's no way he's going to fold and, and let his system mm. slide down. He's going to do everything he can to try and improve his system. So the nice thing about Facebook is it covers an audience which is sort of our age group up. And then the Instagram, TikTok is mm. maybe the younger audience. Um, but then at the same vibe is I enjoy 
putting out the videos and photos there and seeing the older audience engage. Mm. I, I really, really enjoy engaging with older audiences uh, just to get a bit of knowledge mm. and just to hear a story about where what Yellowtail, that guy caught 10 years ago. Mm. Just that, you know what I mean? So, and, and how he did it. That, yeah. That's such an interesting point because <clears throat> I've always looked at it like the the, the future up-and-coming uh, hunter. You, you sort of, like you said, you target the younger social media platforms, as to say. But now that you say it, it makes so much more sense, you know, because for me, everything I've done in the bush and, and, and on my from our um, PHing and all of that sort of stuff has all been generated through knowledge from the older generation. Yeah. So, so that's a very unique way of looking at it. And uh, definitely it's, it's something to keep. But fishing, I want to chat to you about fishing, uh, yeah. especially in the Eastern Cape. Um, <clears throat> from a hunting aspect, traveling all over the world, all over, you know, to the States and stuff. You can you can walk into these 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 hunting exhibitions and you can have... A thousand different outfitters there and no one there's a couple but no one promotes fishing in south africa and for me it's a weird it's a weird reason yeah. uh, well not reason it's 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 a it's weird that we don't do it more yeah. because south africa has got to be one of the best fishing destinations in the world and especially what's a sunshine coast uh, uh what we now we're on there so Siska, Siska, yeah. yeah. So Siska, Transka, I mean, mm. that's that's going to be some of the yeah. best best fishing. Yeah, look, um, it's interesting to hear that. You know, what I mean, I wasn't aware of that. Mm. Uh, that that's not really marketed abroad. I know it's marketed within the country quite extensively, but at the same time, um, to offer a fishing charter service or a tour, you've obviously got to take all your pricings into factor yeah. and then profit margins, that sort of stuff. So then it's almost becomes non-affordable for, for for the average mm. South African. I think in the fishing market, if if it, if it were to be marketed, say for example in the States correctly, uh, the industry would do really, really well with the diversity that we've got. I mean, we've got some of the best hotels, best lodges, mm. best backpackers, scenic right on, this, right on the ocean. And the Trans Sky is a very, as popular as it is, is a very unmarketed. Mm. Uh, this week's Journal Podcast is brought to you by Nil Safari. Visit www.nilsafari.co.za to find out more about this wonderful planes game package. Included in it is a Gemsbach, Eland, Red Hartebeest, Impala, Springbuck, Kudu, Blue Wildebeest, Waterbuck, Zebra and a free Sable. 10 days all inclusive at 14,500 US dollars. Send any inquiries to nilsafariinfo at gmail.com. Trails to Trophies, we believe in the spirit of fair chase. So all hunting is done by Walk and Stalk, giving your desired trophy a fair chance. To find out more, visit our website at trailstotrophies.co.za. Prepare yourself the best way possible for load shedding. Load shedding is where our local government cuts off our electricity for a certain period of time. Beat load shedding this next safari with any one of our special power banks. Visit www.phtoolbox.co.za to find out more. Area. I've seen it in the last two years where I've been traveling the Trans Sky and when I go into the Trans Sky, I can't make an effort to go to a place I've never been before. Yeah. 
and I can tell you that every single place that I've gone has been the most awesome experience and I think shit I can't get better and I go to another place where I've never been before my next trip and it's like this is my favorite place yeah. and the next place is my favorite place yeah there's just so much to see from from caves to little hidden waterfalls to rocky ledges mm. pools you can swim in so in terms of the fishing industry it's massively if, if you're saying it's not marketed there then it's mm. massively untapped mm. and not just the fishing I mean you can take let's say for example you go fishing and to get to your fishing spot, you've got to take a 2K walk. Mm. But along that 2K walk, you're going to see so much wildlife, so, mm. so many little things that you wouldn't have noticed if you, if you weren't going on that little walk. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. And, yeah, I think it is something that can be um, capitalized on, mm. especially, like I say, with the Transkai area being developed a bit. It's going to take quite a bit of management that side, but it can be done. And ultimately, I mean, just... Just the way you talk is definitely the same sort of vision as what I have because I've often said, uh, especially when I do these pitches to people um, on my podcast or whether it be at the hunting shows and stuff, I say, you can come, most of these guys always come back to South Africa and they always, uh, they pretty much land up doing the same sort of thing, go to the safari lodge, which is great. It really is wonderful to go and hunt animals and do all that sort of stuff, but South Africa's got so much more to offer. There was that... You mentioned it the other day. Uh, what was it? Blood River or something? Um, yeah. The so that, Chief chased the cattle off the. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't done too much research into it, and I mean the Trans Sky is rich in stories, yeah. rich in history. Yeah. Um, where I'm not too sure how the story goes exactly, but what I've heard bits and pieces was the one Chief had a vision that all the cattle must get pushed mm. over the waterfall. And because of, I don't know, bad luck, good luck, whatever the reasons yeah. were, all those got pushed over and all the cattle died and the blood all ran into the sea. And there's the whole story behind that. So each place you go to in the Transcar, there'll be a story that's rich in history, yeah. you know what I mean, that us as the layman don't really know about. Mm. But as we start exploring it more and as I've started exploring it more, I've started learning more and more about the history of the Transcar, mm. about the culture of the people, and more so than... More so than, than than just fishing is when I'm in these areas. What I what I do first up is I go into the local tavern, meet and greet everyone there. Just okay. yeah, sure. um, it's we we need to remember we're going into another man's territory. Yeah, and and I always say it's not about race or religion or mm. color, all this sort of stuff. So I, I speak as it is. I'm going into somebody else's property. I'm going into mm. somebody else's town. And I'm an outsider. Yeah. So what I do first is I make sure I go into a local tavern or the local shop or wherever the locals are, introduce myself, just chat a little bit, spend mm. a bit of time there, ask them a few questions about the area, where it's safe, where it's not safe, what yeah. to do. And then from there, the ice is broken. You've shown the respect to go in and just say, this is who I am, what I'm doing in your area. Mm. Where can I go? Have you got anyone you you could recommend to me and that sort of stuff? So sort of just a just a way of showing your respects and giving back as well. We're all in this this together. Yeah. So if me going into uncharted territory and buying the locals a few beers and asking them, have you got someone here local who can come fishing with me it's just to yeah. be with me and mm. I can pay him? It it goes a long way. Yeah, and yeah. touch wood, I've been pretty good off in the Transcar since. Well, that's, I mean, that, that was going to lead into my next question because obviously, like anywhere in the world, people get this perspective, uh, this this uh, 
false perspective on South Africa that it's a completely dangerous place. But I mean, obviously, there's there's certain areas you avoid and don't go there and stuff. Yeah. But generally, the Wild Coast, it's it's a pretty decent place to go to. Gen- generally, yes, yeah, um, yeah. Generally, like like you said, the 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 world's an unsafe place. Mm. You know what I mean? If mm. you if you think you're going to go into the middle of Hillbrow and walk on your cell phone and take yeah. a business call and not not get hit or not get targeted, well then think again. Yeah. It's the same as I'm not going to go to certain places in mm. the Trans Sky and go and fish on rocks by myself. Um, but then there's certain places in Trans Sky where I leave my bag on the rocks with my cell phone in and go stand 40 meters away and fish, and I know mm. it's it's as good as safe can be. Yeah. But like I say, it all comes down to to the respect of when you're in the area, just greet the locals, mm. show some sort of communication, show, show some sort of respect. Imagine you you run your own little town and that is what it is in the Transcast. Yeah. Little towns on their own that are run independently. Yeah. Villages. But they're still they're, the chief system still quite big Chief there. system still works, so we meet and greet a few of the, the chiefs in the area mm. as well, just to build relationships with them. And it, it it's actually so cool it's one of my favorite things to actually do is go and meet the locals go meet the chief go sit Mm. in his house Mm. chat to him just yeah about life and just have a laugh and a beer whatever the case may be and it's 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 actually like i say there's a whole lot more to just the fishing industry Mm. in south africa which i think can can offer a massive amount for for the for the overseas market and at the same time can really create an industry which brings in an economic benefit for the transcar i mean there's people out there with such amazing skills the ladies who make bags and hats and things out of Mm. recycled plastic i mean absolutely phenomenal work and the bead work and all Mm. these sort of things so so with the fishing i think we can use it as a draw card and yes everyone wants to fish everyone wants to enjoy it but at the same time offer the cultural side of it yeah which end of the day is the women are looking after the kids mm. and end of the day is we want the next generation to be mm. better off. So it sort of creates this like family vibe around. Yeah. Create, yeah. We, the men are the ones who mainly go, mm. go fishing and then the women will collect mussels yeah. and uh, rock life on the spring low tides. Okay. So that's the general, like I haven't seen very many men collecting mussels and things, mm. the men fish and then the women come on the spring tides and collect yeah. the mussels and yeah. And target species, so typically yeah, from the Siskar up to the end of the Transcar, what, what sort of the target species now, I, I know them as cob and bluefish, yeah, and yeah. I don't know the scientific names, maybe you can just give. Yeah, look we refer to them pretty much in the slang names as yeah. well. Um, okay. You get your two or three different facets of angling. Mm. Uh, scratching, if you want to call it that, is where you're using your smaller hook, your one hour hook, okay. uh, 12 to 13 foot rod, three to four ounce sinker, and you're just fishing as many different reefs, different holes, different mm. channels, different angles as you can, fishing for an open bag. But a lot of the time, you're going to catch bluefish, bronze bream. Mm. And in between that, you can get blacktail. Um, Khalyun, okay. uh, brass pick you up. So when you're scratching with that with that small one-hour hook, in general, you're open to anything. Mm. Um, throwing paddle tail for cob, which is a soft a plastic yeah. uh, weedless rig. Uh, the Americans will be familiar with it. So okay. It's actually we we use a fresh water fresh water bass hook on a paddle tail which is very similar to what the guys use overseas. I actually think it originated from there, then in South Africa. Is those those flavoured things? 
Yeah, we don't use the flavored ones too much. Okay. Um, we use just a stock standard one. Okay. The flavored ones, obviously the price is a bit more and yeah, all, yeah. all the yeah. rest of that. So yeah, paddle tail fishing for cob, drop shot or drop shot fishing yeah. with paddle tails, um, very popular. Um, so that's for cob. Obviously there's high seasons and low seasons, October, November, December, January, very good seasons. Um, what we found recently, or what I've started figuring out recently is I've been targeting fish per season, like we were touching okay. on earlier. Yeah. When I was younger, I'd want to catch everything and anything yeah. and then wonder why you're not catching everything oh. because you can't. Yeah. So over the past two years, what I've decided to do is let me target a fish for mm. two, three months. Let me fish whatever conditions, whatever tides, just go off the cuff and work it out. Okay. Um, so I was not very good at catching bronze bream or bluefish. I'm all right now, but I'm confident to say I can go target bluefish now, mm. where two years ago I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I put three, four, maybe even longer, five months into that, targeting those fish, any conditions, uh, a variety of baits, different casts, uh, mm. length, depths, all those sort of things. And eventually after a few months, I caught a few nice ones, got to a stage where I'm confident, okay, I can go target yeah. bluefish. So that's what I've been doing with each category of, of fish that I'm wanting to better my skills in. Okay. Because um, you can watch as many videos as you want. You can mm. talk to as many people as you want. Unless you're doing it yourself, yeah. that's when you really learn. So yeah. same with the river fishing. I targeted... Uh, I learned how to fish with bucktails mm. and spent probably three, four months targeting it, learning it. A lot of blank sessions, believe me. Um, but eventually you learn what works, what doesn't work, where you get to a stage now where you're pretty confident in mm. it. So that's what I'm doing in terms of my fishing techniques now, is just spending a couple months on each specific species yeah. just to learn as much as I can in that period of time. I'm never going to become an expert or a guru, whatever the case may mm. be, but I can become a bit better than what better, I was. Yeah. Well, they are the, <laughs> trust me, I know all about it. I'm busy. It's a fellow deer rut at the moment yeah. and it's been so flipping frustrating because it's easy to go out there and, and really just throw a bullet at 200 yards and pull yourself a fellow deer down but it's the first time i've really hunted the rat because obviously i would normally have clients at this time but now yeah. i've got my time to really just understand it i've put up trail cameras understanding the walking paths and stuff so yeah i know i get i get i get exactly what you're talking about but from from a traveler's perspective uh obviously the main season the the traditional hunting season is around the winter periods um okay. i know with the fishing side of things we've got the sardine runner yeah so what sort of species are we looking at targeting there? And if if there are guys coming over from the states, what you know, what sort of period should they start planning for? Well, What's best for that sort of time? Yeah, it's a very interesting one in terms of seasons. In South Africa, we're pretty blessed with the fishing seasons all year round, basically. Mm. Yeah? Uh, the sardine run comes normally June, July. What we found when fishing lures during the sardine run is it goes pretty quiet. Oh, really? Yeah, and we th well. If, if we think about it in layman's terms, the sardine run is a couple hundred meters offshore. Mm. So naturally, your fish are going to be there. Mm. So we found your cob is pretty quiet during June, July. You okay. do get your bigger ones on live bait at night. But in terms of throwing lures, 
got to a stage where we don't I don't I don't really throw much during June July. I'll throw lures up until Mayish and then start throwing lures again in about August September. You say lures, not popper. Uh, not popper. So okay. surface lures, uh, poppers we'll use for Garrick. Okay. And Garrick, it's a case of. I used to be that, that young guy on the rocks who used to throw his ass off all day, yeah, every day, yeah. and the old bullies were sitting behind me, and then I get a chase, or you and your mates get a chase, and the old guy stand up slowly and go throw, <laughs> and then the one old, the one old man, Malcolm Buerta, uh, he's since passed away, but absolute legend of the game, yeah. of the lure industry in South okay. Africa, um, he actually was one of the pioneers. So I spent a lot of time, time with him out in Grand Sky, and he also said to me, said, when you get to the rocks, fish. And then sit down and wait. And then wait until you see the Garrick come. So when we fish for Garrick okay. now, we'll generally have a, have a few throws. And then sit down and wait until you see a smash or a bait ball come through. So it's a lot of hours. Okay. But we'd rather do it that way as opposed to throwing all day. Mm. Um, just found it works a bit better. Yeah. Haven't targeted them in a, in a while other than yeah. deep sea. But of the rocks, that's the method I go with. Okay. Um, sit, wait, check if they're coming through, if they're there, throw. If they're not, yeah. sit for an hour, wait, and look. Yeah. Okay. And <clears throat> we've, we've spoken a lot about shore fishing. Um, deep sea options in South Africa, is it? And, and one of the other things were, that was that's kind of interested me, I know with uh, copper steam brass, there's always been a season for them, mm. like, like, like a bag limit or, as such. Mm. But I mean... So when you're going deep sea, you're obviously catching big numbers. Uh, your success rate is a lot better, I would suppose. Yeah, look, um, deep sea angling, I've only really got back into it in the last two years. I've been twice. Uh, I, I suffer badly from, from seasickness. Okay. I eventually found some seasick tabs that really work. So I was fortunate enough to go out deep sea two, three weeks ago and really, really got some good fish. Um so, yeah, your deep sea success rate, if you go with the right skipper, obviously it's like anything. Yeah. If you've got the right guide or right skipper, you're going to have some, some real good fun and hook some big fish. Uh, the interesting one about bag limits and closed seasons is copper steam breasts have got a, a closed season. Uh, all the fish, as far as I know, have got bag, they've got bag limits. Yeah. Um, but what I'd like to see is, is seasons on all of the fish. Okay. Um, for example, I don't think enough's been done in conservation to educate the layman about um, when is the bronze bream's breeding season and when is the low keep rate and the high keep rate. You know what I mean, we're never going to eradicate, but let's rather educate. And I think if we can all work together to try and create more education around the topic, then I think we can do our little part. Um, yeah. I'd like to see closed seasons on each specific fish per year. Shad have got a closed season, copper steamers have got a closed season, so why don't all, all the others have a closed mm. season for a period of time whenever it's their breeding time or their high risk rate of uh, capture or, yeah. you know what I mean, something, yeah. so I just feel something more needs to be done in terms of conservation there. No, for sure, and I, <clears throat> but again, I, I, think, I think that's why you're doing such a wonderful job from the social media aspect is because especially for a guy like me, I would I would never be able to, you know, know when the breeding season is for bluefish and stuff. And one of the people I would turn to would ask you the question, you know, because yeah. conservation is a big part of my life and, and, and that's what I drive forward. But, I mean, your industry, my industry alike, there's a lot of conservation, uh, um, 
gray areas around conservation yeah. and what it actually stands for. But one of the, the things now, just thinking about you chatting about breeding season and stuff, one of the, the big controversial subjects that's hit your guys' industry in the last couple of months is the whole drone fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a lot of guys that have got different opinions on it. For instance, with us, it's it's the long-range shooting. You know, the, the guys fetching animals out at seven, 800 yards and okay, stuff. Yeah. I always say there's, there's, there's a place in the market for these sort of things in the yeah. industry because these guys are paying. They're looking after the animals. Yeah. It's a different story if they're going out there shooting 50 animals at 700 yards, mm. you know. Um, likewise, I'm sure with a drone, if they're catching 30, 40 shots. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. What's your opinion on the whole? Yeah, very interesting one. And I've followed it and I've read a lot of the comments and a lot of the threads and looked at all the stuff there. I haven't actually given my comment on it, but I will now. Um, I just think it could have been dealt with totally differently. Um, end of the day, it's an industry. Mm. End of the day, it's... Uh, industry that brings in a hell of a lot of money to to the system and I feel what it's created now is a division within the fishing market and now you got people hating on people from this side this side and just creates one big one big shit show you know yeah I mean? where instead of everyone working together and end of the day is the, uh, the anti-droners if you want to call it that have got their argument and the droners have got their argument but like I always say, is rather educate than eradicate, mm. because the, one of the main arguments is that you are now the drones are reaching untapped reefs. Yes, they are, but the industry was launched, and people paid for them. Yeah. So now, how can things just get backtracked and changed all of a sudden? Yeah. And then one of the argument points is, oh, but the people that are keeping 30, 40 fish. They've always been keeping 30, 40 fish. What have you ever done about it in the past 30 years? You've done absolutely zero. So now why go clamp the guy who spent 200,000 rand on his drone and having a hell of a good time enjoying it, bringing in a lot of money into the industry, which is what it's about. To the and, communities as well. Yeah, to the communities, to all these sort of things. And then one, one side of the argument is the amount of terminal tackle that's, that's getting lost in the sea due to shark breaking off and I can tell you I've drone fished I used to slide for sharks I've done it not all but I've done a lot you'd lose a lot more sharks on your lighter con lot on your lighter tackle due to line snaps shark fatigue so if we look at this side of it catching sharks on your industrial heavy tackle with your bigger reels bigger line bigger hooks it's a shorter fight time so on one side, it's better for the sharks to land them on beaches with the right depth of water, yes. Then the wrong side is, okay, landing them on rocks and stuff. Mm. But people have done that prior to drone fishing. So, like I say, it's a whole thing about grown-ups being children yeah. and arguing about stuff that you could sit around a table and just say, okay, let's find a solution to the problem. The problem is always going to be there. Yeah. It's about finding a solution. And I think banning it, I don't think is the ultimate solution because yeah. then it's going to open up a gray area to things such as okay so if drones were banned i'm not going to give people ammo and if they want to use it as ammo they can i couldn't really care mm. um well then why isn't drop shot fishing looked at yeah why isn't mm. braid looked at why isn't a bionic finger looked at why isn't the latest development in rods looked at why so now by them doing what they've done and i read the one guy's comments which was this what we touching on now it's just going to open up a whole can of worms which yeah. is going to create more problems 
if people on the one side wanted to create more mm. problems. So, but I suppose that's the way adults yeah, go yeah. about things. Huh? It's it's just crazy because I mean, like you said, we all we <laughs> we're all in this together, and we all want to achieve the same sort of goal. Uh, and I think education is just uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, I just one of my the guy that I guided, he does a TV hunt here now every now and then in South Africa, Keith Warren. He, he posted something yesterday about uh, an air rifle and guys are slating him about bows and this, that, and the next thing. At, at the end of the day, we all we all want to achieve the same thing, but yeah. it's uh, why attack one another when. Because, yeah, yeah exactly. Much. You know what I mean? And like on that side of the coin, I mean, they opened up this whole drone saga, whatever you want to call it. Well, then, if the people who ban the drones are so for the environment and I'm not going to name people and, yeah. and, and call out people. I'm just calling out that side. If you're so for conservation, then how come I've never seen one conservation person in the trans car ever. And I've been traveling it since I was 18 years old and 34 now. I've never seen one conservation person there ever educating the rural folk on collection of mussels or collection of fish mm. to say, okay, on a spring low, Instead of taking six grain bags from that one rock every time, and then eventually over two years, there's nothing there. Yeah. Why not take 10 mussels in that 10 meter perimeter, 10 there, 10 there, 10 yeah. there, educate them. That's conservation. Mm. Closing off something, mm. for me, I don't think it's conservation. Yes, that's a yeah, very, very good way of looking at things, and it's, it's interesting. But that's their problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I think. Like you said, education, I'd rather, like you said, focus my energy more on that sort of education than mm. actually trying to stick up for people within our own industry that all want the same sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I hear you completely. Um, getting towards the end, I know you, you've you got a planned little fish down the coast here. What you guys after? Yeah, fortunately, the weather's held up nicely. Yeah. We're going to be targeting some spotted grunter. Okay. Um, quite a nice fighting fish in the river. They do feed in the brackish water coming into winter time uh, as normally when you get a few of the bigger ones. So yeah, we're going to go and have an afternoon session from about 12, past 12 to about say 5, 6-ish. So okay. a nice long session, sit on the riverbanks, enjoy it, relax, Yeah. then have a lap of rye later. Nice. <laughs> um, Jack, just to end off, 75% uh, of the people that watch my podcast are all from overseas and stuff. If you had to give them one minute pitch on why they should come over to South Africa and do the experience like you've just said or, you mm. know do the wild coast and stuff what what would it be um, yeah obviously the scenery is second to none uh, the experience of fishing the fishing is extremely good but more so than that your um, not, not encounter but your interaction with with mm. the locals I think is going yeah. to be one of the experiences that you'll take with you for, for the rest of your life. Like I say, I've traveled extensively in South Africa, Angola, Namibia, Mozambique. And the one thing that I cherish the most is my engagements with, with the locals. Yeah. Um, prime example being in Mozambique where it's Portuguese mainly spoken there. And sitting in the village with some of the kids and the elders and sharing a piece of a root that they eat from underground. Absolutely terrible. Mm. But they enjoy it and obviously it sustains them with energy and that's one of the moments in Mozambique I remember. In Angola I've got moments as well. You know what I mean? So everywhere I've gone, I'll make sure that I engage with the locals and get to learn about their culture and just spend time with them. And that for me 
is the most memorable part of it. And yeah. in Africa, you got so much to experience. Yeah. Well, Chana, I really I appreciate you coming out here. It's been an absolute blast chatting to you over the past couple of days, and uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to sit down and do yeah. a couple more of these. So <laughs> I'm really excited about it, and just just your your complete look on this whole industry picture on the social media side of things is really really interesting. And uh, I just want to say, well done, and, and keep going. It's it's Thanks. awesome. It's, Thanks it's a lot, wonderful, man. and. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really, I really look forward to seeing the next couple of years what's what's in store for you guys. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, like I said, I will, we'll definitely sit down and do a couple more of these podcasts. So. Yeah, and thanks a lot to you, Dil. Um, teamwork makes a dream work, and yeah. thanks to everyone for their support over the years. Uh, without you guys, none of it's, none mm. of it can can be achieved. Huh? Yeah, and yeah, thanks. Cool. Well, Lekker. have a great one. Cheers, my and, man. Uh, Thank you. Good luck with the fishing later on. Hopefully we get some cool photos. <laughs> and finally, we would like to say a very big thank you to this week's journal podcast sponsors. Nil Safari. Visit Botswana in the Thule Block package with one Impala, one Zebra, one Blue Wildebeest and a free Warthog to hunt. Six nights, all inclusive at three and a half thousand us dollars to find out more or any sort of inquiry email nil safari info at gmail.com or to see what other packages they have to offer visit www.nilsafari.co.za trails to trophies with over 29 planes game species to choose from we can assure that any one of your bucket list animals will be ticked off Visit our website at www.trailstotrophies.co.za to see how we can offer you a custom tailor-made package that's ideal for your situation or send any inquiries to info at trailstotrophies.co.za. <clears throat> and finally, wanting to customize your next safari with logos, names, or any other items that you would like to put on your safari gear, visit www.phtoolbox.co.za or email dylan at phtoolbox.co.za to find out more about our value-packed offers. Remember, minimum order requirements are in place, so please send any sort of inquiry to the emails listed below. From myself, Dylan Love, the host of the journal, I would just like to say a very big thank you to this week's sponsors. Without you guys, none of this will keep going. I'm really encouraged with the amount of interest we've had over the past couple of weeks, and I would like to open up a couple more slots for advertising purposes. So if you guys would like to find out more <clears throat> about how you can advertise your safari company, your business, or any one of your products on the Journal Podcast, please find out more at dylanlove229014 at gmail.com it will be listed below in any one of the descriptions um, where our podcast will be listed once again a huge thank you to all our podcast sponsors this week <laughs>